All right, well, we are uh, moving forward here in our Rooted series. Uh, so let me just grab my coffee that's necessary right now. But I got to give some props for the fall. So I love the fall. Raise your hand if you are a huge fan of the fall. Yes. Raise your hand if you are a huge fan of what comes after the fall. <laughs> you are unusual. All right. The fall, my goodness. I, I was a huge, I still am. I love the fall. Uh, but I have a much different outlook on it now than I ever have before. We moved into a house last summer in Shoreview, and we have four huge oak trees. And so whenever the fall comes now, that's all I think about are all the leaves that I have to, I have to rake up and find a location for. Uh, so I'm not as thrilled about the fall as I've been in the past, but I still love this time. I went with my daughter and four of her friends. It was her birthday, and she wanted to do a camping trip. And so we took our RV and we went to Lake Elmo Park Reserve, beautiful place. And so... I, for those of you who knew where I was, thank you for the prayers. I was with five 13, 14-year-old girls, and I survived. Praise God for that. Um, and uh, we had a great time. Uh, but I was able to kind of get away from uh, them for a little bit and walk around and just in awe by the colors, by the leaves on the ground. I love that look, looking through the woods and the paths. And it's just, man, it's so awe-inspiring to be uh, a part of that. So, yeah, I love the fall. I love this time. And this is a great way, a great chance for us to continue to be together. And uh, it's such a, it's, it's almost full circle. Because if you remember, I think, I don't, was the first Sunday that we did an outdoor service, Mother's Day, weekend. Alex, was that the first Sunday? Was it Mother's Day weekend that we did an outdoor? It was on the berm, and it was snowing. Do you remember that? It was snowing, and you were all in coats. Well, you're in coats again, so we got full circle. That's great, but uh, this has been a tremendous way for us to stay connected over uh, these unusual months, uh, so I'm, I'm just so thankful for all of you who have continued to come and to be a part of this. It's just a joy to be able to see uh, faces that we don't normally see on a Sunday morning. We understand, we know that we're going to gradually get to some level of normalcy as things continue to change and adapt, And uh, but thank you so much for your commitment, for your, uh, your continued um, uh, faithfulness to North Haven and to the mission that we have here. Uh, but I love these outdoor services. I'm going to be sad to see them go. So, but as I said, we're in our third week of the Rooted Experience. And when we started this Rooted deal, was, so it was three weeks ago, we, we asked the question, what is this? What is Rooted? Now, if you haven't uh, been a part yet of Rooted, if you're maybe hearing this for the first time, or you've heard little bits, snips, and pieces, you know, Rooted is a 10-week experience that we're going through as a church. We have upwards of 200 people that are actively involved in the Rooted Experience. I think I shared this story at the Sunday night experience last week, but let me tell you guys again here this morning, uh, this, is, this is spreading in ways that I never imagined. We have sent books out to people in the, within the country outside of um, Minnesota that have heard of us doing Rooted that have been connected to North Haven in some way through a relationship and have requested material so that they can go through it with us. 
but I was leaving the house last Sunday night, was walking to uh, my car, and my neighbor, Kathy, she, she uh, kind of flayed me down, and she came up to me, and she said, hey, my, my husband and I, we've been listening to your messages, which I thought was kind of cool, uh, uh, you know, that would have been nice, just, just to be able to hear that, but then she said, and we want to do Rooted too. we want to do that with our family, with your church, can we get some books? And so it's just, it's amazing to me how, how people are just kind of coming out of the woodwork and latching onto this. And it's, it's amazing, but it's not surprising because as I've mentioned, I've done this three times before. I know the potency. I know the potential of it for the individual and for the church. And so I'm so excited to be able to do this. But this is 10-week experience in which we experience connection with God, connection with others, with the church, and also then connection with God's purpose for our lives. And so that's what we're in the midst of right now. Uh, third week... We're talking today about how does God speak to us? That last week we asked the question, this, this huge question, who is God? And we tried to put that in a 25-minute message, which is just ridiculous when you think about it, right? And then the week before that, as I mentioned, we asked, or what is rooted? What is this thing that we're doing? So for those of you who are in small groups, and I know that that's a lot of you, but uh, I, I, I hope that if you haven't yet connected with the small group, that that be a priority, that you would make a priority to do that. Uh, but in our small groups, we're going to begin doing these prayer experiences. So I'm in a small group as well. We're going to be praying together and, and going through that experience and then talking through with one another as to what that's like. Hopefully you've been invested in your daily readings with your rooted books as well. And there's a lot of great material, but more importantly, great questions that cause you to think and engage with what God's Word says about these things. So there's so much to be said about what this rooted experience is. But today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about how God speaks to us. And I cannot talk about communication without mentioning that we live in the age of Zoom. It's just insane to think that now Zooming or Zoom has become a part of our common vernacular. I could say to many of you, hey, let's Zoom together, and you would, ha you would know what I mean. It's just ridiculous to think that that's actually part of our language. That wasn't the case even six months ago. I had a Zoom account. Raise your hand if you had a Zoom account prior to COVID. Just a few of you, all right? Raise your hand if you currently have a Zoom account. My goodness gracious, it has changed the landscape of how we communicate with one another. It, Zoom, by the way, that corporation in the months of May, June, and July has made more money in those three months than they made all of last year in 2019. So if you got stock in Zoom in February, I'm incredibly jealous. But Zooming with one another, this has become part of our life. And it's, it's been interesting to see how people have been kind of working through it and interacting with it. Uh, we've all been in Zoom calls where people have been talking and talking and not realizing that they're muted. Raise your hand if that's ever been you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> or maybe, maybe your video's on and you didn't realize it was on and, you know, we don't need to go further from that. Or, or you have a bad connection and and so you're talking, and all that people are hearing is important. 
Zoom has been such an interesting experience, but we experience communication issues and conundrums time and time again. Before it was Zoom, it was texting, and then it was Facebook. I mean, we, we communicate with one another in these various ways that influence how we do relationship, and the same is then true with God. When we talk about communicating with God, we're talking about two-way communication. How does God speak to us, and how is it then we should speak to God? So how does God speak to us, and then how is it that we should and can speak to God? Before we go any further, what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray and ask that God would move in this time, that he would, as we are going to be talking about, speak to us but most importantly, that we would be attentive and listen to him and what it is that he's saying. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, the privilege of being able to have this space, to even have this, this large space where we can accommodate all the people here, uh, to be able to have the equipment to, so that we can uh, be heard. Uh, Lord, we thank you for all the amazing staff and volunteers who make this possible. It's just tremendous to be able to know, Lord, that, uh, that we are all committed to doing church no matter what the cost. And so, Lord, we just want to pray that as we go forward here today that you would speak to us, that you would remind us of your goodness, Lord, that you would open our ears to what it is that you want to tell us. And where it is that we usually go, we are, we are faced with the decision, are we going to follow you where you lead or are we not? I pray, Lord, that we would have the courage to follow. That's my prayer for us in this time. And then as we progress through today and through this week, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. By the way, I haven't said the, uh, hi to those of you who are watching via the live stream. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we, uh, we would love for you to be here, but we completely understand uh, that some of you uh, can't and, and don't feel comfortable, and that is totally fine. We are still the church. We love you, and we love to be able to connect with you in this way. So we're talking about those two equations. How does God speak to us, and then how do we speak to God? Well, God speaks to us in a myriad of different ways. One of the most primary ways in which God speaks to us is through His Word. God's Word has been given to us. It's been given to you, and it's been given to me. We, we should be interacting with that on a daily basis. I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. But God's Word is His obvious instrument in which we have this snapshot of who God is. Now, we've talked about last week about how God is so far beyond. He is transcendent. We cannot, we cannot put him in a box. That's impossible. If we were able to put him in a box, he would cease being God, right? But God has given us a glimpse, a glimpse of who he is. And it's enough to be able to know that he is God and to be able to give him the honor and the respect that he deserves. Now, we did a series this summer called Binge Reading the Bible, where we went through the various components of Scripture and kind of talked a little bit about why is this here and how is it that we should interact with it. Well, I just want to do a quick flyover to just emphasize what God's Word is. So God's Word grows in power. 
It grows in power, meaning that it works in us. It doesn't just hit us in a moment and leave us there, that it works in us and through us through the entirety of our lives. It also judges the attitudes of our hearts. It becomes a mirror that when we look into God's Word, we see those things of ourselves, either how it is that we are inappropriately perceiving ourselves or, or the lives that we're leading that are in contrast to what God's Word lays out. It also helps us to overcome and to fight off evil. Jesus displayed this himself when he was in when he was being tempted by Satan and he used the word of God to fend off the evil one. God's word will ultimately set us free. Freedom and redemption is found in the word of God, specifically through the gospel that is Jesus Christ. It is eternal. Meaning God's word will never cease being these things. It is and will always be. It is living and active. That's one of my favorite characteristics about God's word. It, 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 is, it engages with us. It, it's not like, you know, uh, have you ever read a book when you were in high school and then you read it later in life and it just seemed like a completely different book to you? Now, that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about how we change and then how we perceive what it is that we read based on what it is that we read or experienced years before. Rather, we're saying that God's Word, it is actually organic. It is living and active, and it engages with us. And so regardless of where we are in life, wherever we're, we are in our stages in life, it meets us where we're at, and it leads us to where God wants us to go, and that God's Word is truth. We've used words like it it is inerrant, it is infallible, it, it has no error, it is true, and we can depend on it. So God speaks to us through His Word, and that is an obvious and necessary instrument for us to understand and to know God. I've talked about this before too. How else does God speak to us? He speaks to us through others. Some of the most pivotal moments in my life have been when when other people, brothers and sisters in Christ, have come to me to encourage me or to support me, and God has led them to do so. But more importantly, I think, when they have come to correct me, to challenge me, lovingly, respectfully, but saying it like it is, saying, hey, I've seen this about you. I've noticed this about you. This is not in accordance with what God has laid out in this word, and I'm concerned for you, or I'm concerned for your family. That is what it is that we can and get to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important to be a part of a church and to connect with other Christ followers, because we're not meant to do this on our own. God also speaks to us through our circumstances. This is touched on in our rooted books, but it's important that when we say this, that God speaks to us in our circumstances, that there are those circumstances that lead us to Christ, and then there are those circumstances that lead us away. And really, Paul is the best example about how God speaks to us through our circumstances. Because Paul, in the midst of his circumstances, whether they were good or whether they were bad, they caused him to pause. And that's ultimately what circumstances should do for your life and for mine. It should cause us to pause. Because when we pause, we hear God. God also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus himself in John 14, 16 through 17, he, he tells the disciples at that time that the Holy Spirit is coming. When I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. This is what he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. So what Jesus is saying there is that for those who have decided to follow him and to make him the leader of their life, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is then, it dwells within us and it guides us, it leads us, it gives us wisdom and discernment that we so desperately need. When, when a person does not make that decision to follow Jesus and to make him the leader of their life, they do not have that. So they, they don't see him, nor can they hear him. But you know him. That's what Jesus says. You know him if you decide to follow me, and he lives with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit is our advocate, and as an advocate, he speaks truth to us. He leads us and guides us in important decisions and circumstances that we find ourselves in. And then God also speaks to us through his creation, when we look carefully at the things that God, God has made, we see his beauty, we see his creativity, we see his ingenuity, we see his organization. We see all these things laid out before us when we witness his creation. God also speaks to us through those things. When was the last time, imagine this, when was the last time that you were, that you were walking through the woods or maybe you were doing some yard work or you were driving along the highway and you saw something and just out of nowhere, you were just in awe by the wonder of God. And he was speaking to you in that moment saying, this is my creation, look at what I have done. And then look what I can continue to do, not only in this world, but then in your life. So God speaks to us through these things, but not only does he speak to us because God wants a relationship, right? He wants us to speak to him. He wants us to speak to him. There was a young lady who started her job at a textile mill, and there was a sign above the workplace that said, when your thread becomes entangled, call the foreman. Well, she was working on her, on, her, on her thread, and it became entangled, as it probably would normally do. And, and when it became entangled, she decided to fix it herself, but it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. So she went to the foreman in desperation. She said, I, I did the best that I could. And he said, no, you didn't. To do your best, you should have come to me. That's how it is with us and God. God, it's not a one-way street. God is not a dictator. He wants a relationship with us. He's given us a free will so that we can express our obedience and our love and adoration for him. He wants to hear from us. And we should speak to God on a daily basis. We need to come back to God regularly. And the reason why is because we're fickle. We forget things all the time. For all of you husbands out there, how many times has your wife said, I've told you this a thousand times? We are so fickle. We need to be reminded of the gospel on a daily basis. We need to be reminded of our responsibility as Christians and as the church because in the absence of that, we forget. 
because we are so self-centered. Even when we have the best intentions because of our sin nature, we are very self-focused. We have to have the right mindset then when we pray, when we speak to God. Consider Paul, for instance. Paul, for those of you who may not know, Paul is this big deal in the New Testament. So the Bible's made up of the Old Testament and the New. And in the New Testament, Paul is this figure that at once hated Christianity and Christians, becomes a Christian himself, becomes someone who decides to follow Jesus. And then he becomes a big deal because he goes out and around and he starts telling other people about Jesus Christ. So Paul is just like this figure. He's like if the Hall of Fame of the Bible, Paul would be up there. And Paul specifically has 19 prayer requests that he gives out in the New Testament. Only three of those 19 times you could say are a personal request. The rest of them, but even those three that, are, that could be labeled as a personal request, are still centered on the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the rest of those prayer requests are centered on others. That should also be our, our, our motive and our action. And when we pray, we should, what does Paul say in Philippians 2? He says, he says, don't look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. We need to actively pray for others and for his church and for the world. That isn't to say that God doesn't care about our needs and, and that he doesn't listen to us when we lift those needs up to him, but it does talk about what's important in the church today. And as a church, we should be lifting up the gospel. We should make the gospel the, the primary focus of our prayers. I was thinking about this the other day. We, we all will one day die. We don't like thinking about that. And life is precious and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. It's also challenging. But the fact of the matter remains is that one day our life will end. That is true not only for us, for everybody here in this place, but it's true for everybody, everyone in the world. And this life is so fleeting and it is so, it is so short. And for all those that leave this world without having received salvation in Jesus Christ, the Bible says they are then going to experience an eternity apart from God. The stakes are so high. That's why Paul is just, with every ounce, he says, the gospel, we need to pray that the gospel would be made known, not only to us, because even though you and I might be saved, we might have made the decision to find and to follow Jesus, to make him the leader of, of our lives, but we need to live the gospel. That's why we got to preach the gospel to one another, right? Because we got to live out the gospel. But we got to pray the gospel would penetrate the hearts of people that have yet to make that decision to find and follow Jesus. Because without that, there is no hope. Because hope, hope 
is God's alone. We can hope that the Vikings will win the Super Bowl. But that word hope doesn't belong in that sentence. We use it because it helps us understand what we're talking about. But hope, hope is God's and God's alone. And so the only way that anybody can actually experience hope is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why Paul prays the gospel. And that's why he makes it such an important part of his ministry and gives us a good illustration as a church. But I get it. It's hard to know how to pray, how to connect with God as God connects with us. I remember I, I, I came uh, into a church situation as a pastor uh, a number of years ago, and I was in a, in a circle with several people. One of the people was on the search team that hired me, and I just assumed, you know, that this person had prayed around other people before, but they never had. And so I asked them, would you, would you please pray for the group? He told me later, three years later, that that was the scariest moment of his, uh, one of the scariest moments of his life because he had never done that before. And it gave me a perspective not to take that for granted. I get that. That's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to know. Uh, am I supposed to pray a certain way? Am I supposed to say th certain things? I hear, I hear Pastor Don pray, and it's like, well, it's, it's so eloquent. It's so beautiful. It's so profound, right? I can't certainly measure up to him. How is it I'm supposed to do it? There were three pastors one day who were talking about the proper way to pray, the proper posture to have. While they're, they're talking about this, there was a telephone repairman who was working on a phone service nearby overhearing this. And one pastor says, well, you got to put your hands together, not, not interlocked, but, but together so that your fingertips are pointing up to God as a symbol of the, 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 the adoration and praise that we need to give God in our prayers. Another pastor said, no, you, know, you, got, you got it wrong. The, the, the most important thing you need to do is you need to be on your knees. You need to be on your knees when you pray because you're bowing down to the Almighty God. The third pastor, he says, no, 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 you, you guys got it wrong. You have to be prostrate. You have to literally be laying down on your face. This phone repairman couldn't take it any longer, and so he said, hey, guys, I got to tell you that the most powerful prayer that I ever had was hanging upside down by my heels at a telephone pole uh, when I was working on this uh, phone service. Uh, I prayed to God. I was hanging upside down 40 feet off the air, and I got to tell you, that was the most powerful prayer ever. We're told to pray without ceasing. Think about that for a second. How is it that we are to pray without ceasing? Now, if some of you used the definition, the, the, the way in which you define how prayer interacts with your life, if you were to think about that, you, you would be daunted by that task, wouldn't you? You would be saying, how could I possibly fold my hands, close my eyes, bow my head, and to pray and pray and pray and pray all the time? That would be impossible. So what does that mean? How is it that one can pray without ceasing? 
The way that one prays without ceasing is to consistently, constantly, in every moment, be aware of God's presence. Think about this, 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 this saying from A.W. Tozer. He says this, he says, whoever will listen will hear the speaking heaven. This is definitely not the hour when men take kindly to an exhortation to listen. For listening is not today a part of popular religion. We are at the opposite end of the pole from there. Religion has accepted the monstrous heresy that noise, size, activity, and bluster make a man dear to God. I would argue that the most important aspect of prayer, when we're talking about God speaking to us and us speaking to God, is listening. It's listening. And that's why prayer becomes such a conundrum in our lives because the world, our society, the culture in which we inhabit, it strikes against that in almost every single aspect. It is so difficult to be in silence, to be in solitude. Right now, I'm not going to do it because I know it's a little chilly, and I don't want to make you feel too uncomfortable. But if I said, hey, we're going to be here in silence for five minutes, most of you would be extremely uncomfortable with that because it would be so foreign But how is it that we're supposed to receive God's Word? How is it that we're supposed to actually listen to God if we can't hear Him? And then how do we pray? Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 9-13, and this is, we, we've heard this before. You probably have recited this many times. This is how you should pray. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that you got to use these exact words? That a prayer without these words is illegit? No. Jesus instead here is highlighting the important aspect of living a life of prayer, of approaching God on a daily basis. What are those? Let's break it down really quick. The first is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not that God's name is herald or hallowed. It's saying holy, holy is you, God. It's recognition that's the first thing we need to do when we live a life of prayer daily and in every moment, recognizing who God is, that God is holy, that he's the almighty. I've said this before, there is a God and we're not him. And God deserves our recognition and our praise. So that needs to be a part of our daily communication to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is so easy for you and I to fixate our eyes on the past, on the things that were done or that we did, or to fixate our eyes on the present, on the complexities, the dangers, the, the, the fear, the anger that we have in the present. 
But that's not what God wants us to do. Jesus is saying here, we need to fix our eyes on the hope that we have in God. Perfectly demonstrated through his son, Jesus Christ. Give us today our daily bread. Is that, is that, is Jesus saying here that, that we are to be asking God for food? No. Jesus, prior to this and after this, had been referring to bread as the word of God. Daily interaction with God's word. I'm not talking about daily interaction with Jesus calling or my utmost first highest or whatever devotion that you're doing. I'm saying actually opening up the word of God and ingesting it, diving into it, Allowing it to come in so that it comes out. Having it be so infused with your being that your actions and your words and your thoughts are in, are in synchronicity with what God wants. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Psalm 139, King David says it best. When he says, he says, Reveal to me those things that, I, that are hidden. Search my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. It's not that we need to be resaved, but we, sin is still a part of our lives, and we disobey. And we are required to seek forgiveness for that disobedience. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Praying for strength and protection. And my goodness, do we need strength and protection for our lives. This world, this life is so difficult, and it's coming at us from every end. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting for someone to devour. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the rulers of this dark world. Daily praying for strength and protection as we move forward. Satan wants us to rely on ourselves. He wants to convince us that we have the strength or the ability to be able to manage through, to muster through, but we're, we can't. How, does, how are we described? We are described as jars of clay. Jars of clay that hold the treasure of God's glory inside. I've talked about this before. Jars of clay are fragile. They are prone to break. But when the glory of God indwells a person's life, when those cracks come, when those jars are hit, they don't shatter. They don't break. Not because we're strong, but because God is strong within us. The most amazing aspect about prayer is that we are communicating directly to the Almighty God. Prayer is the act of being in His presence. Always having a mindset that God is present, that we are in the midst of God. 
Always asking, God, what is it that you want from me? Where are you leading me? How are you leading me? How do you want me to respond? What is it that, have there been times when you have, when you've walked by somebody and maybe there's been something a little, little off, maybe they seem down or they seem angry or they're in a bit of a situation and, and you have that instinctive thought where you're like, oh, I'm too busy and you start walking by, but then you get that that ping, right? I want you to go and talk to them. A lot of times we ignore that. But when you are praying without ceasing, you, you recognize that God is present and that you're in the presence of God. And so your eyes are opened not only to those situations and those circumstances, but you're aware of the courage to be able to then step forward into those moments and go where God leads. John chapter 10, verses 3 through 4 says this, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he was brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. We have some family friend. We have some friends, uh, and, and we get together as families. and And the adults will will kind of sit around and we'll talk and, and and chat. And our kids will be somewhere else and playing. And and it never, without fail, one of the kids will always scream or cry at some point. And we all know, if you're the parent of that child, you know exactly if it's your kid that's screaming or crying. Am I right? How is that? How is it possible that you could know in the midst of that sound, the sounds and that chaos, that you could know your screaming or crying child, distinguished from all the other kids? It's because you know your child. You see that when we, when we pursue God, when we connect with Him on a daily basis, when we are in God's Word, when we are repenting of our disobedience, when, when we are praising Him because He is almighty and holy, when, when we are asking Him for the, the courage and the strength and protection, when we are willing to allow Him to lead us, when we're doing that daily, God's voice becomes distinguishable from the noise. We begin to hear God's voice. We know His voice. We can hear it. But if we're not engaged with God, if we're instead relying on other aspects of our lives to get us through and then coming to God whenever it's convenient for us, you will not know His voice. So if you're in a situation, for instance, where you're trying to make a decision, you're at a crossroads and you're wondering, should I go this direction or should I go that direction? And you're asking, God, where should I go? And, and, and you, you, you can't hear it. You, you, you're saying, God's not, he's, he's not making it clear. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. My response would be, are you daily living a life committed to being in his presence?
Because if you're taking the time, the daily commitment, the time to listen to God and to speak to Him, you will recognize His voice. That's difficult. Because it's really hard to do these days. There is so much that's vying for your attention and for mine. Are you willing to give God all of it? Let's pray. Father, I know that there are no easy answers. Life is hard, and and you know it just as much as we do. So much unfairness and injustice happened to your son, Jesus Christ. Your son, Jesus, lived in a world in which he was persecuted, tried unjustly, and then eventually killed. This world is tough, but you are not absent. You are not sitting idly by, as we talked about last week. Even though you are the holy God, you are the almighty creator of all things, you don't hold yourself at a distance, but rather you did what we could not do. You came to us. You injected yourself into humanity. And by sending your son, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, God himself, God incarnate, Jesus paying the ultimate punishment for our sins, dying on the cross and then rising from the dead, you provided a way for us to have life and to have life everlasting. But I pray, Father, earnestly for myself and for everybody here, for those that are watching, I pray that we would not take this salvation for granted. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't slip into the monotonous nature of this existence. That we wouldn't get so wrapped up in our, in our doings and our trappings that we forget that you should be of the utmost priority in our lives. That to pray without ceasing is to consistently, constantly be reminded of your presence. To be reminded that we are in your presence. That you are a part of every aspect of our lives. That you wish to guide us and lead us in everything. And you love us enough. You love us enough. that you will let us wander. But I pray, Lord, I pray for everybody here that we would be so committed to your cause, that we would be so grateful, that we would be so determined to give you the, the honor that you deserve, that we would live that out daily so that we can know recognize and hear your voice. I pray that for myself. I pray that for everybody here for this church, that we would be 
followers of the Almighty God, listeners of the Almighty God, and lovers of the Almighty God. Pray this in your name. Amen.